engineer, Hi, engineer and ask. Engineer and ask? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're singing along. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's the song. Maybe I'm the one who's like in the sketchy out. Like Could be. Cartoon, and maybe you are. Yeah. Um, but here we are together in our world called Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada the Engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada, on camera control and uh, doing cool video effects while I'm working on hardware. Uh, we're a team, and uh, this team's going to be here for the next hour. For Ask Engineer, we're going to go over the latest in products, videos, guides, maker community updates, retro tech, some really cool photos, stuff you'll get on eBay and more. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're cool. They're cool things. Yeah. Um, a lot of eBay's are eBay's are smokers, though. Um, sure. So let's get right on it. What's on tonight's show, and what's the code? On tonight's show, the code is QT Gamepad. QT Gamepad is the code. Ten percent off the native for store, all the way up to around eleven fifty nine p.m. Or when I remember to turn the code off. We'll talk about some of our live shows, including Show and Tell, which has happened. From the desk of Lady Ada, which was on a Sunday. We update our graphics, so we'll talk about the new DigiKeys logo, by the way. JP's product pick of the week, Chop Park's workshop, uh, time travel, retro tech. We're going to look at some factory footage, some 3D printing. We've got some Ion MPI, some Fun Top Secret. We've got some new products. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, infert.it slash Discord. Join us over there. That's where we answer the questions. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, actually, I'm going to skip JP's uh, workshop this week because, or the product picture because we have a really uh, long, cool video that we want to show in the uh, Learn Guide section okay. about the like AI magic okay, so we'll... that we did. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to get to everything tonight. There is a lot. So first up, like I said. Code is cute gamepad, Lady Ada. We have free stuff. What do they get? Put stuff in the cart. Put stuff in the cart at the adafruit.com shop, and you will get $99 or more a half size promo proto. Great for taking your breadboard projects and making them permanent. $149 or more, we've got the cool Adafruit Gothy Black KB2040s. Um, this is a great microcontroller to use for all sorts of projects. It's got RP2040 chip, 8 megabytes of flash, USB C, STEM QT, castellated pads. And it's been compatible with Pro Microboard, so you could upgrade your design, whatever it may be. And then free shipping at uh, $2.90, sorry, $1.99 or more in the cart. And we're going to hopefully get some Circuit Playgrounds in the next couple weeks. Uh, some Sandu chips just came in, um, so we'll get those back in stock and we'll have them. Yeah. all the freebies yet again. Uh, I'm going to skip around tonight with some things just because we have stuff going on. So I was going to do the time travel, but whatevs um shipping notice memorial day it is monday may 29th so keep in mind if you order something starting like friday around 11 it might not ship until tuesday that's 11 a.m by the way um we try to ship stuff same day if it's next day or and all that but um assume that friday orders saturday or sunday orders monday orders will not start going out until tuesday all right uh, we do a bunch of live shows, Lady Ada. Uh, show and tell this week. Uh, thank you, JP and Melissa and Aaron, for hosting it. You can check out a lot of uh, the cool projects. We're going to watch that right after the show tonight. We took a well-deserved 20-minute <laughs> parent nap. Hey, you know what's amazing? Um, a 20-minute nap actually can make a difference. Totally changed my life. Um, so we're going to watch show and tell right after this. We have some midnight hacking to do tonight. We're going to... Uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later, but uh, you'll see some of our projects that we're doing on the show until probably next couple weeks too. It will be fun. Um, Desk of Lady Ada, that's what we do every Sunday. Lady Ada, it's in two parts. What did you talk about this week? Well, part one. Part one, we had a bunch of visitors this weekend. We had Zach from Particle, yeah, and we had we'll Eric from Seed. So you just yeah. photo real fast. Um, Next thing I was working on is doing some hardware bring up for the RP2040 bus pirate boards. We still have to come up with a name, Phil. Um, yeah, we have. So the, for the for the, the 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 bus pirate compatible, you know, whatever we're doing, we're thinking of Circuit Pirate, but Circuit Pirate might be confusing with like Circuit Pi, Circuit Python, and then we're like, well, um, let's think of some other names. Uh, Bit Raider is is a contender. There's also uh, bus 
uh, pirate with a Y. We're you know thinking of that. We like the pirate themes. Um, and then we're like, why, why don't we go in a completely different direction and call it protocol droids since it's all like protocols. But then that's gone. Well, who knows? Yeah, it's a, it, we're making sure things are okay with like our, our lawyers who look at our product names when we do stuff. If you've ever had lawyers, they're not super fast. <laughs> yeah, the cadence is sometimes slow. So we'll figure it out. Um, but uh, we'll probably have something soon, but tentatively calling it circuit. Uh, yeah. What? Anyways, I did the hardware bring up. Yeah. You know, my idea for how to do the um, uh, five volt level shifting didn't quite work, which I sort of knew it wouldn't. But I was sort of like, I just want to get the board out there, and I'll figure I'd, I'd figure out uh, the details later. And then in the meantime, I found out that the RP twenty forty can technically um, be five volt compliant as well, uh, so it actually might be just okay to use as is. So I have to poke around at it some more, but. Um, I just brought up these boards and got Scott one so he can keep working on the firmware. So that's what I was working on. Talk about how to great name. Sir Yarkut the Pirate. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Um, and then we have um, the Great Search. It's for Lady A to find stuff on DigiKey. And if you look really close, by the way, DigiKey has a new brand. I'm going to talk about that in the time travel section. Oh, wait, I, I... you updated this, but you guys. Yeah. So, uh, you know. I, you know, we're all over. We're all, anytime there's a DigiKey logo now, we get new, we get the new logos. We got some of the yeah, branding stuff. So we're gonna talk about it. And then in INPI, we get a new logo. And so, you know, I got, I got their thing. Okay. They didn't ask me to do this, but as like a, a, a logo geek, um, I, I really like uh, the direction they went. So uh, I'll talk about that in a bit and, and show you, show what they did. But we have the great search where you're looking for stuff on digikey.com. Yes, and uh, I was looking for xenodiodes. Um, xenodiodes are so handy. Um, they can be used for like tons of different weird, cheap, simple level shifting, uh, choking, um, dropping, whatever you want to do with your voltages and your currents. Uh, xenodiodes can do them. Uh, it's also sort of Z, so great. And they got tons of them stuck at DigiKey, like hundreds of thousands. So we just sort of showed how much power you may need. Also uh, um, posted some links uh, to tutorials and idea blogs about what to do with Xenodiodes. Yeah. They're kind of, yeah, they're very useful for all sorts of stuff. Okay. And uh, product picks of the week, like I said, you can watch this on YouTube. Um, JP's workshop is tomorrow. And then Deep Dive is on Friday. Uh, Tight travel. Um, time travel this week. Um, gonna talk about DigiKey's new logo. So uh, check it out. Um, we got a preview, and then it's now live. Um, I don't know. This is kind of for you know if you're into electronics and everything. This is like when Pepsi or Coke updates their logo. It's kind of a, a kind of a big deal. So I grabbed some of the um, things that they posted online. Um, if you look closely at their uh, brand identity, you can see that they're using like components now. They got rid of the dash, which I think things make easier. Um, a long time ago, someone at DigiKey is like, hey, Phil, make sure you put the dash and do the capitals because I'm normally doing like lower. And yeah. then like religiously in every email, it was like capital D dash capital K. But now I can get away with the capital E. Think what you saying, 10%. Yeah. And so, you know, for, for a large company that's been around for a really long time, it, these are, this is a big deal. There's committees, there's things, there's like, you got tons of packaging, you got buildings, you got like everything. And I think over the course of the next year, they're going to be rolling out stuff. I think they did um, a pretty good job uh, finding a way to have a nod to the past and then um, having something that looks, you know, very, very modern. This is the hard stuff. Um, we did... You know, when when we first met, um, you're like, hey, I need I want to update my logo. That was like a big deal, and like we refined. Yeah, you helped stuff. a lot. You helped me a lot. Yeah, and then you know, over time, you know, we, we want to continue to evolve our logo. So it's always interesting to see what like you know the older sibling is doing out there. So they post up a video. I grabbed it. I don't think they care if I put if I show it. Um, so I'm going to show this is the, this is what was behind the DigiKey uh, rebrand and some of the things they're they're doing. So. Uh, and they didn't ask me to do this. I, I, I think this is interesting. It's our show. Um, <laughs> you might think it's interesting too. Some people are made different. The tinkerers, the solderers, the builders. The ones who can pick out their inductors from their resistors from their thigh wristers blindfolded with one hand tied behind their back. What makes them tick, that different kind of fuel they run on, is that they're technical. In a DigiKey, we get technical. So well, in fact, we could draw you a schematic. Because the technical aren't just who we serve, but who we are. We get experts because we are experts. 
We know the ins and outs of our bytes and bolts, contacts and housing, and how each piece in our inventory helps innovation click into place. We get engineers because we're engineers. We build industrial strength relationships not just with suppliers and customers, but between suppliers and customers. We get hard workers because we're hard workers, who know one delayed part can scuttle the whole idea. And let's face it, the future waits for no one. We get you because, well, we are you. We're technical, and we get technical. DigiKey. So anyways, I thought that was interesting. Let's do some retro. All right, uh, retro tech is two part this week. So one of the things that we're doing, we have a little kiddo now. Um, so eventually kiddo's gonna have a computer. So I'm cobbling together some stuff I had, some stuff that we're hacking and modding to have it work together. And one of the ideas is like a kid computer um, that's, you know, kind of funny, interesting, maybe some stuff that's not available anymore. Uh, we have some Hasbro and Mattel and like uh, Baby Einstein stuff. You can see some of our guides, like a game controller that's also like a USB game controller. And then um, this, I thought this was interesting. So this is the Crayola, um, let me make sure, the Easy Type keyboard. And there's a mouse that goes along with this. But it's um it's a kit. Uh, it was called the Easy Type Computer. Key. Yeah, it was called the uh, Easy Type Keyboard and Mouse Computer Kit. If I were kids of mine, the keyboard has this. It's QWERTY. You know, it's large, but it, it's not. It's not your normal. It doesn't look like your normal keyboard. Um, there's some things that people either will love or hate with it. Um, I like the proper arrow keys. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one that came out. Um, this is this is a you know the internet uh occurred um so this came out in 2010 and it was from sakar international it's uh basically like the i think someone said this is the big keyboard uh it was something that was rebranded for crayola you can see they have little crayons and, and it's colorful um this is the back of it let's see some of these things and you can pick these up super cheap i think i got this for like five bucks um and then you know here's both of them together so this will be one of the keyboards for one of the like kid computers um, that we do. It's it's USB, so it'll work. Um, and it also plugs into lots of different things. Um, there's a mouse. Um, I'm not going to probably get that. Uh, there's an optical mouse, and then there's like a, a, a mouse pad, and you can put like a picture in it. That wasn't that interesting to me, but I, I thought this was kind of neat. These are really colorful. I mean, they kind of look cool. Imagine like rolling in with this to work. Just be like, hey. That and the little gamepad. Yeah. And then um, this, I used to do a uh, weekly article on Engadget called Watch This Wednesday, and it was just like weird watches. And we have a collection of super weird watches because we you know, have done or wanted to do um, some DIY, DIY watches. But these are like just, this is kind of just for fun. So these are gaming watches, but they're, they don't play games. Um, this is a, a reference to the console war back when it was Sony PlayStation 1 and the Sega Saturn. Um, it, like, you know, fight to the death. And um, it's a great book, by the way, the Console Wars book. Yeah. I read it. It was hilarious. And yeah, it's brutal. And so um, you can see the neat thing about this they're, they're a wristwatch, but when you um, uh, flip the top, instead of it being a game, because it's not CDs, these are, uh, you know, you tell the time. And uh, I thought this was neat. So this is going in our, our pile of uh, cool watches that uh we like i don't know we were Where did, where'd you get this one uh this was uh from japan and they were in vending machines this is totally an akihabara like thing i can yeah. totally imagine it's like i think they were called uh gashapan gashapan machines. yeah okay. so anyways that's uh that's our retro uh this week enjoy All right, Python on hardware time. Blinka, 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 blinka. Um, this week on the newsletter, um, please subscribe, by the way. I'll talk about where to find this out. Um, lots of things going on. We're almost ready for 8.1 release. Um, Candidate Zero is out. Lots of great projects, including a physical motorized Minecraft box made with Lego 
And uh, there is a review of MicroPython 1.20. Um, since we're getting close to 810 candidate uh, 810 candidate zero, um, you were going to talk. The synth stuff is coming along, right? Yeah, the stuff that I'm most excited. Well, I mean, there's a lot of bug fixes. You want to scroll down because there's some. Yeah, there's there's a list. Um, I mean, First off, Scilabs contributed an uh, MG24 port, and we're actually chatting with them, so we might make a board or stock a board from their stuff. Oh, we got a contribution for animated GIF support, so you can like now play GIFs within CircuitPython. Um, DVI support for our, you know, like native DVI, so you can have CircuitPython REPL go to a TV screen, which is just um, hilarious and fun. And you also do like, you know, HDMI graphics from a uh, RP2040. You can also change the CPU frequency dynamically in the RP2040, which is part of that DVI, the Pico DVI project, because you have to overclock the chip. Um, the Synthia stuff I think is really cool. That is um, what Jepler has been working on. Uh, he says he's like kind of finished for now, but if you want to like make fairly complicated synthesizers natively, like, you know, it's not a sampler. It's like you're creating waveforms and you have LFOs and you add them and subtract them and do stuff and you have envelopes. Um, check out the Synthio uh, interface. It's something that I wanted CircuitPython to do. I thought it'd be really fun to be able to make synthesizers from um, within CircuitPython. That's some of my favorite stuff. There's also a lot of bug fixes as well. Yeah. And um, as mentioned in the chat, kind of a big deal. Silicon Labs contributing a core. Kind of a big deal. Like, this is happening. Like, we have yeah. we we have momentum. They're actually like, hey, this is important. We want a lot of people to use this. Um, it's been battle-tested. Um, someone today, um, I think, what I don't remember which um, social media I was on. They're like, wow, like, I started off at CircuitPython 3, and now you're already up to 8. Like, this is kind of neat, and the board they had, it just it just worked. Yeah, it keeps um, So before I uh, talk about that, and speaking of, is I think that uh, this project is worth noting, kind of cool. Um, this is reviving assistive technology with quirky uh, quirky and micro-ready keypads. Hmm. So this is, um, you know, you can see you put your hand on it like that. Yeah, it's a quarter. But it's a... But it's got LCD. Yeah, and it's, it, and it's and you know, you could tell you could do, you know, one-handed um, typing. But um, it's CircuitPython code for the uh, Raspberry Pi Pico version of the quirky keyboard based on the work done by MicroWriter. Um, the device emulates a USB HID, US keyboard, and no specific driver. But if you use the Adafruit HID CircuitPython libraries, um, you can do quite a bit more. So check it out. Um, I think that's a neat, another neat example of being able to take hardware that uh, really can't be used with modern equipment, but using something like CircuitPython. Um, and then as you follow along with circuit python one of the neat things and this is like one of my favorite makers so i'll go over to uh this this screenshot um ben, yeah. yeah so this is let me uh move us for a second here um this is always kind of neat because here's a maker that has these like minifig circuit python compatible devices and every single time there's a new version of circuit python right away out of the box it's fully supported um you just drag over the file and right away you get all the new features so this is one of the things that was important to us is how do we empower makers who want to do their own boards and they just don't want to like manage firmware forever yeah so, we'll support firmware we'll basically support your board forever as long as you don't have to do anything special for it um but we have so many different chips that are supported out of the box that um, if you submit a board definition, it'll be in CircuitPython forever. And that's how we got to over 400 boards. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we just met with Eric from Seed, uh, Zach from Particle. And I was trying to do some rounds with talking to um, some of the folks out there from Arduino to every board maker. And there is like a drift in the market. Like there is, you know, companies that are just going in a different direction um, than like making things for others to make, to build off of. Um, they want you to buy their platform, um, only use their services, and that's it's, that's it. And if you're someone who wants to build a business or build an ecosystem, that's kind of hard because you can't really do a lot of stuff with it. So seeing um, this maker, Ben, who's been doing this for a while, and then seeing um, well more than half of the 400 boards that are uh, CircuitPython compatible, um, people being able to build companies and businesses around them, that's really neat. So that's why... Um, I think this one is a good example. Plus, it's like everyone, when they, when they see this board, they're like, oh my god, it's a cute board. Uh, but it's a, a good example. This person doesn't have to manage firmware. It's always just works. No builds required. It yeah. would generate all the 
every, you know, every commit generates all the UF2s and bin files necessary. Yeah. So you can always test the latest. And um, uh, one other note, if you want to learn more about um, that board, um, I think we have a little note here. The um, uh, Yeah. So the um, Circuit Python show, uh, Paul's in the chat here. He just interviewed Ben. So that's coming up um, soon. You'll be able to listen in about this board and more. Um, so that's kind of cool. There's a Circuit Python show. Uh, the newsletter is available adafordaily.com. Delivered to your inbox every single week. And we don't spam. We don't do anything with your email address. It is just to get you this newsletter. And that is it. It's a completely separate site. But we have Adafruit Daily than Adafruit.com because we don't want to commingle those two things. Open source hardware news. First, uh, special thanks. Eric Pan stopped by. Adafruit, we haven't seen Eric in a really long time. Uh, we have some ideas and more with Seed that we might want to do. Um, QtPy, Xiao, our siblings, um, Grove, and Stemma. And quick, we want to try to figure out ways to pull maker companies together to maybe figure out, like, maybe we can all have connectors that work together, board shapes that work together. We shall see. But it was great seeing Eric. We're probably going to do some type of collab, as they say in the biz. And uh, more on that later. And uh, we have some ideas with some of their enclosures. Refresh. What? Refresh it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, we have guides and there's so many guides that when I hit refresh, there's going to be more. Thank you. This is what happens with the caching stuff with, um, yeah. I'm, I'm using brave as this browser for whatever reason it caches and I have to hit refresh two times. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, we have a bunch of guides. Lady. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. let me have the mouse and I'll, you want to, you want to, yeah, just have to scroll and okay. go back up and down and then that's always easier if I just do it myself. Um, Okay. So um, for this week, last week we did the Epcot Spaceship Earth with WLED, and I think the Feather RP2040 with RFM95 guide that either went live this week or um, late last week. Uh, so a new guide for using um, our all-in-one LoRa RFM2040 uh, board. And then um, this week, Carter, um, this project, the Pi Pi Pirate Radio, I mean, like, we just, I mean, have you not caught that? It's a Raspberry Pi Python pirate radio um board that uses a small fm transmitter to actually like make an fm station um and you know we have these fm transmitter chips on breakouts that you use over i squared c to set the um, frequency and then you use an, uh, the audio output from the raspberry pi into the headphone jack um, to actually emit the audio and we got this idea from um, a hacker news thread where somebody was like what are some cool projects that you did for your own personal desires and someone said that uh, their grandparent really likes listening to on the radio. Um, they don't have an iPhone or an iPod, but they wanted to like like tune into the radio whenever they wanted to hear music they liked. And so uh, this person set up for their grandparent a, a micro FM transmitter that just transmits radio from when their grandparent was a kid. So it felt like they were kind of going back in time and cool. and, and listening to uh, music. So I was like, oh, we should totally... And like, there was, of course, no tutorial. They just described this thing. And I was like, well, we have all the stuff to remake it. Um, so Carter did that. Thank you very much, Carter. Um, we've got a guide for the ANO rotary encoder to I squared C adapter. That was last week's new product. Uh, it turns a little um, iPod classic-like rotary uh, with a navigation switchboard um maybe i'll go down to show it yeah so it uses this uh directional encoder wheel um and it gets the the encoder value and the five buttons over i squared c so it's a lot easier to use than actually wiring up all those gpios and of course they'll also work on stuff like raspberry pi single board computer or a chip that maybe doesn't have enough timers to handle um the uh, rotary encoders and you can have 16 of them on one i squared c bus thanks to cuttable address jumpers um, we've been updating the Adafruit IO and Whippersnapper guides, uh, thanks to Tyler and Brent. So this is an older guide, but it's been going through so much revisions. We're adding new diagrams and descriptions, uh, to clarify, um, Whippersnapper versus original Adafruit IO. Um, Katni, uh, couldn't get the, they might be giants, um, song <laughs> about a blue canary nightlight, um, watching over her. And so she was like, I have to make a project based on that. So yeah. this was it's a, nothing to Twitter, by the way. <laughs> it's not. It's pre-Twitter. It um, so she worked with uh, Noem Pedro to make a very cool, smart nightlight. Um, it changes color from, it knows when sunset is. And so it changes color from blue to red at night. So it's not as bright. Um, and also you can have it act as a 
um, Wi-Fi detector. So if your Wi-Fi goes out, it'll blink red to let you know, like, hey, it's not you. Your Wi-Fi is down. Uh, go reset the router. Um, a beautiful 3D print model going on here. I want to check out this. It's cool. And they, they're like rendered it with like chrome, like aluminum metal. So it looks, looks really neat. Anyways, check it out. And that's with the Cutie Pie BFF. Yeah. And then the big project this week is um, a DIY, you know, um, it's, you know, it's a little bit from the... Um, oh, <laughs> what? wait, just take one break. So um, we're so uh, privacy, uh, you know, uh, focused, but for whatever reason, it says it doesn't comply with the do not track. Uh, oh no, it does. But it does. Brave probably doesn't. Yeah, brave. So, anyways, we we support do not track. So, anyways, that's why that's like that. I we I don't know why. No, that's normal. It's yeah. if you 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 didn't um you're you're logged you're not logged yeah. in if you're logged in yeah. and you select yeah so that we, you don't care it will exist. yeah so we do all the right things but it, the way it displays is a little confusing yeah it's like this the embedded content doesn't respect do not track. So we we don't just put the YouTube video there. If you have do not track turned on, we we don't allow it. We don't allow tracking. So anyways, that's our uh <laughs> I'd like to get credit for that because you know we we're one of the few companies that uh that, that does that. Anyways. Um so this is a so we, um we'll show the video in a second. Yeah, we'll show the video. This is a physical book that's been cut out. It has a Raspberry Pi and a seven-inch Raspberry Pi screen in it, and it uses voice recognition with a microphone. Um and um you tell it what kind of story you want it to tell you. And there's a little prompt text that it uses as well. So it has like, you know, it says like make only children's story and don't, uh, you know, and the character's name should be the kid that's reading it. And then you'll say, tell me a story about a dragon and a princess uh, named Lady Ada. And um, it will then use ChatGPT to generate a story for you within a certain length. And it animates the text on the screen and it's like a living storybook. So it's like a little bit like a young girl's animated primer um, from science fiction, but made real. And it was, you know, like this is kind of, it's very advanced. It uses voice recognition and it uses chat yeah. and it uses a lot of graphics. This is an epic video. So uh, it's a, it's a, the it's team a spent a lot of time on it. So we're going to play the video. And yes. We'll see you on the other side. Oops. story about a mermaid that had a hundred pet jellyfish. A mermaid and her hundred pet jellyfish. Wow. In the depths of the ocean lay a mermaid kingdom ruled by Queen Luminia. Once Luna had a little pet goblin who gave him well, gifts every single day. Hi, I'm Erin St. Blaine for Adafruit and for today's project we're gonna make a magic book that tells endless stories. This book is a really magical device. Inside is a Raspberry Pi with a touchscreen that talks to ChatGPT using voice recognition. So all I have to do is talk to the book and ask for the story I want, and it will write me endless stories. First, we'll do the electronics build. I'm using a Raspberry Pi 4 attached to a 7-inch touchscreen, and then I have also soldered on a few accessories. I've got a magnetic read switch so that the book knows when it is open or closed. I have a little NeoPixel for an indicator light, and then plugged in a little USB microphone so it can hear me talking. Solder a power, ground, and data wire to your NeoPixel and trim the connectors off your read switch. Trim and tin all your wires and add some heat shrink. all the wires to your Raspberry Pi. We've got a full build tutorial with wiring diagrams and pinouts at learn.adafruit.com. We'll solder on the reed switch, add the NeoPixels, and then finish up by adding the wires that go to the touchscreen. Plug in your USB microphone and then add the ribbon cable that attaches to your touchscreen. Plug in the power and ground wires from the Raspberry Pi to the touchscreen and assemble it together. I screwed mine on upside down because it fits better inside the book that way. Test to make sure your read switch is working by holding up a magnet to see if the screen goes to sleep. 
Now we're ready to put it inside our book. I found this fabulous old book in an abandoned paper mill called The Esoteric in the California foothills. There were so many moldering old books in this room. The rain and the rats were destroying them. And uh, I rescued this one, which <laughs> used to be a book of poetry by Sir Thomas More. I've kept him in here for posterity. I have to tell you, it was not easy to take my bandsaw to this book and uh, destroy this work of art. But uh, I think I made it a little bit better. So um, let's get started. I started by finding the center of the book screen with a template and uh, sandwiching the pages between a couple pieces of wood, which I then screwed together so that they were nice and strong and firm I used a drill to round out a couple of the corners. The corners are kind of the hardest part to do on the saw. And then took it to the bandsaw and carefully cut all the pages out. This worked really well. They came out in a nice block and uh, it wasn't that hard to do. It's working. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I used Mod Podge to paint around the inside and the outside of the pages to turn them into a solid block. I set a magnet into the cover and made sure it would line up with the cutout I made for the reed switch. I also made a cutout for the NeoPixel and cut out of the sides of the book a little hole for the on-off switch and for the charging port. I glued the battery down and then filled up the rest of the remaining space with craft foam so that the Raspberry Pi would sit flush with the top of the book. To make the outside of the book look a little more magical, I used a black wash over the whole cover, which is just some black acrylic paint diluted with some water, and then wiped it all off with a paper towel before it was dry. This gets the black kind of into the cracks and crevices and really emphasizes the detail on the book. I put a coat of acrylic black paint over the gold lettering as well. I add, and then for the inside, wanted to decorate the title page with a fancy sticker that I made on my vinyl cutter. I've got the files up at learn.adafruit.com if you want to use the same one. I used my book template to carefully cut out the middle of the page just so that it would line up perfectly with the Raspberry Pi inside. The trick I used to set the pie inside the book was to use a template and cut out just the perfect size for the screen out of one of the pages that was attached firmly into the book. Then I took this page and I glued it to the front of the Raspberry Pi so that it would stay down and that the pie would be held gently inside the book, but that I could still lift it up from behind to access the back of the Raspberry Pi if I needed to. To make the NeoPixel accent, I used a little bit of UV resin inside of a piece of scrapbooking jewelry that I glued right above the NeoPixel. This makes a real nice diffusion and makes it seem real magical. I finished up the book by adding a couple of book corners and a 3D printed Orin, which is a symbol from the NeverEnding Story movie. I put that on the side as well. We've got a full build tutorial on the Adafruit learning system at learn.adafruit.com with links to the products and step-by-step uh, -step directions on how to build this thing. So if you want to build your own magic book, head over to learn.adafruit.com and don't forget to click that subscribe button. Have a great day and thanks for watching. And we will roll right into some factory footage.
this week in the factory. Let's do some 3D printing. We're going to roll right in and play these back to back as well. This is the two projects of the week from the picture. There's also a speed up. We're going to play that one too. You can build an IoT nightlight that changes color based on the time of day. This canary nightlight is 3D printed and uses NeoPixel LEDs to light up blue when you're awake and turns red when you're ready to fall asleep. You can put this canary in the outlet by the light switch where it can watch over you. Powered by a Cutie Pie ESP32-S3, this has a 5x5 NeoPixel grid BFF soldered to the back for a low profile build. This Cutie Pie features the ESP32-S3 with 8MB of flash and 13 GPIO for making IoT projects with CircuitPython or Arduino. The CircuitPython code uses Adafruit I.O. to get the current time and sets the NeoPixels to be either blue or red depending on the time of day. It also has a network down detection feature that will make the NeoPixels blink red to let you know if your internet is down. Check out the guide on the Adafruit learning system for a full step-by-step -step tutorial on building this project. The Bird was designed in CAD and features 3D models of Adafruit parts. You can download them from our GitHub repo, links are in the description. There are different types of translucent filament that will diffuse the LEDs differently. Clear transparent filament has this sharp and distinct look while an opaque white filament has a more soft and even diffusion. So pick your filament based on your preference of appearance. A USB wall adapter completes this setup so you can plug it directly into an outlet, preferably by a light switch. We hope this inspires you to check out Adafruit's Cutie Pie and add-on boards for your next IoT project. Code is Cutie Gamepad and it is now time for Ion MPI. Hi, on MPI. Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit this week. It is Renaissance. 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 <laughs> Renesas is a maker of microcontrollers and boards, and this week's we're going to be covering the RA series of microcontrollers. Um, they were just featured on digikey.com. Um, and even though we've never used uh, Renesas chips, um, these chips are all ARM Cortex. I think they're M33s, M4s, maybe a few M0s and M7s. Uh, so if you're using other chips that are in the ARM Cortex family, it should be fairly easy to retarget your designs, and they've got some good stuff. Uh, in particular, you know, because I, you know, the, I have to pick one product out of the entire group. Uh, the RAM RA4M1 is what I'm looking at, and uh, I'm looking at it because it's, as I'll show later, it's um, used in the the new upcoming Arduino Uno R4. So we'll go into the details of all this data sheet. There's just is a jam-packed uh, Cortex M4 chip. Um, Renaissance for people in the West who may not have used it, because again, it's not a huge brand. Um, is a conglomerate, it's not a conglomerate, it's a merging of Hitachi, Mitsubishi Electric, and NEC. Um, these are Japanese silicon vendors, and they kind of merged forces uh, in a video that we actually showed before. It's really cool. It's, yeah. You can check it out on their YouTube. It's got the samurai who, who like cuts through complexity and uh, deploys good silicon. Um, and the reason I was interested in looking at this is, first off, it popped up on the digikey.com slash new uh, products listing. Um, even though it's not super new, it was kind of a featured product. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the same family of chips that's in the new Arduino Uno R4. And we signed up for the early access program and we're getting um, this chip. So we'll make sure that it works with all of our libraries. And 
you know, one of the things is that the Uno, the R4, is really changing directions from the previous versions of the Arduino Uno, which were based on 8-bit microcontrollers, such as the Atmega 8, 168, and 328, and those were 8-bit um, AVR chips with like 32K of RAM at the most, maybe 2K of, sorry, 32K of flash, 2K of RAM at the most. So why, why move to um, this chip, the uh, 32-bit Cortex-M4, RA4M1. Uh, and um, we'll look at it, but it's got a lot of good peripherals. Um, and it, one of the big things is, of course, it is 5-volt uh, compliant, um, as well as has native USB. So it's got, it's a really nice step up from the native microcontroller. And, you know, looking at this, it's got a lot of um, peripherals and capabilities that you would expect from both the best of the 8-bit world and uh, the best of the Cortex world. Um, so the biggest thing, of course, is that this chip is 5-volt compliant and not, I don't mean like some STM chips, you can run them at 3.3 volts and then you can kind of pipe 5 volts into one of the I.O. pins as long as it's powered. Um, you really can drive this whole thing at 5.5 volts, which is, you know, at max 5 volts nominal. And that's quite unusual because, again, um, pretty much every ARM Cortex chip we've seen has been 3 volts. Uh, there are a few... Um, chips i think you know uh microchip makes a sam c21 and that one is five volt compatible but doesn't have native usb so this kind of has um the best of of both worlds it's got that five volt logic capability and high current it's got some high current pins as well um but the arm cortex m4 power um the peripherals are really great on this chip. Um, for example, the ADC converter, you know, it's pretty common to have an AC converter, but this one does 14-bit conversion. That's nice. Most top out at maybe 10 or 12. Um, it's also got a DAC, a 12-bit DAC, so that's kind of nice. Of course, there's DMA. Um, temperature sensor, sure. Comparator, sure. But there's also, like, op amps uh, built in, and there's four op amps that you can configure. Um you know, and I think you can set gains and, and do inversions and um, set up stuff so your small signal analogs can be uh, then piped into the ADC. Um, for serial communication, that's your, your standard um, peripherals, I squared C, SPI, and UART. There's two of each, uh, which is cool. Um, so there's also SSIE, which I believe is just I2S. Uh, another thing that's really nice, it's got CAN. Not all Cortex chips have CAN bus natively. You'll, you'll need a transceiver, but the CAN module is built in, so that's kind of cool if you're interested in using this with uh, CAN bus networks because those are 5-volt um, logic networks, so you don't need like a transceiver with a separate boost converter because, again, you can power everything here off of 5 volts. Another a couple interesting things that, you know, you don't normally see on Cortex chips is got a segment LCD controller, so like LCDs that you see on calculators, um, you can run those directly. Uh, you don't need a separate chip. Very handy if you're doing a product where you want LCD, e even though a lot of times people use TFTs these days or OLEDs, there's still a lot of products that will use a segment LCD. And this makes sense. Uh, Renaissance makes a lot of chips that are used in white goods, and a lot of white goods have LCDs. Uh, capacitive touch sensing unit, also very common in white goods because you don't want to have buttons that can you know mechanically be damaged. Capacitive touch um, will work through glass or plastic and can work with wa uh, waterproof things that are in the home, kitchen, or bathroom. Um, and of course, it's got the uh, native USB 2.0 full speed, you know, so that's your 12 megabits per second. Um, you can power directly from the USB port, and then there is a separate 3.3-volt uh, LDO, but it's internal. Uh, it's just needed for the logic-level signal link shifting for the D-plus and D-minus lines. Um, there's a few versions. All of them are going to have 256K of flash, 32K of RAM. Um, oh, I forgot to note, but they also have a 2K of like separate flash, so it's basically like EEPROM. Um, separate than the main flash memory size, so you don't have to worry about, oh... You know, I want to store some non-volatile memory, but I don't. I want to make sure it's kept separate from the main code. Um, they provide a separate code area. It does come in a couple of different packages, depending on how many GPIOs you want, um, up to 100 pins. Right now, you know, I saw in DigiKey in stock, at least, they definitely had the 48 and 64 and 40 pin versions, uh, QFN and uh, the LQFP as well. Um, another thing that you sent me that was kind of neat yeah. was um gadget renaissance which is a couple years old it's not it's not a new thing 
Um, but they made some really cool, like Sakura pink themed dev boards for all of yeah. their popular chipsets. And some were interesting. Like one of them was like the citrus board um, with their kind of middle left is specifically for use of the Ruby language. So I don't know if it has like an embedded Ruby interpreter or it compiles from Ruby to microcode. There's like a kind of a Flora lily pad-esque round board. Um, the GR Mango uses one of their high-end chips and it's, you You're know, an investor in Arduino, Arduino now. I hope this is the new Arduino lineup. It'd be cool. <laughs> um, the, the Kurumi is a little bit like a, a Teensy or a Pro Micro, and then the Mango is Raspberry Pi-ish, and then um, the Lychee uh, and the Peach are kind of Arduino-ish size. So the, yeah, the is actually Arduino. The IDE, level. they, they you know, they made some changes, so it's pink. Yeah, it's pink. And it's Arduino compatible. They, you know, they forked it and, and tweaked it to make yeah. it uh, work with their boards. Could be that they actually need to change a couple things for their SDK. Um, another thing that's interesting is um, it's, it's a different chip than the Uno R4, by the way. So this is an older yeah. project. And it looks like it even had, uh, this chip has native Ethernet, which is why they uh, stuck an RJ45 on there, as well as USB host. This is a quite an advanced board. Um, they also have a web compilation system, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, so I opened it up and it's like, yeah, you can compile from within um, the web browser. And I guess you download the bin file and you can drag it over like the bootloader. And it's got like this kind of Sakura themed to it. And then the packaging also is from this artist. Um, I couldn't find any photos of it online that I could use, but the, the packaging for this board is also very beautiful uh, from a Japanese artist and has like these Japanese uh, themes. So um, that's a separate project than this, but I thought it would be interesting to, you know, if you were interested in the, the family of boards uh, and you want to try their online compilation system, um, check it out with the Sakura chipset. Can you go back one? It uses the uh, the RX6N633N. And a lot, again, a lot of this stuff doesn't really penetrate into the Western market, but it's always good to have competition. And, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who just came back from Tokyo and um, she said, you know, when you're in Japan, everything is just a little bit nicer. Um, <laughs> everything is like five to ten percent better than it would be in the U.S. And so, um, you know, I think the documentation and usage and and I like that. You know, the board they could have gotten away with future, sorry, fewer peripherals on the RA four series, but they're like, oh yeah, also LCD, also CAN bus, also you know DMA, etc. Um, so, oh, go to sorry, go back one. Okay. Uh, so the um, it's called the full part name is the R7FA4M1 a series. Uh, there's a couple. So for example, this is the QFN. There's also the QFP, which is the highlight. Um, there's also a dev board for that RA4M1 series. If you do not want to wait for the um, Uno R4, I'm sure it'll come out soon. But if you're like, I just want something immediately tomorrow. Uh, they do have a dev kit for this chip, which comes with a Sega J-Link debugger with a separate USB. So you can like debug like a full, you know, GDB debugging system, um, as well as uh, the native USB. And it has like a couple peripherals on there, like capacitive touch and potentiometer and push button. And also it's got um, current sensing area, so you can like remove the jumper. Available on Jitsugi. That's right. It's in stock. I'm so excited that we can do INAPI and the parts are available. So um check out digikey you know as they're doing more with uh Renaissance. and i think again it's good like even though i don't know many people who've used these chips um it's always good to have more competition i think you know we've we've had plenty of european and western companies um and american companies make chips based on the cortex standard uh why not check out what's going on in japan All right, rolling right into new products, Lady. New, 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 um, it's being revised because the screen got discontinued. Um, so we have a new version. We also did a silk screen update. And so on the back, so here's what got updated. Um, first up, um, the screen's the same size. It's the same orientation, same commands and everything, except instead of 
the screen being soldered in, it now plugs into um, the little socket there in the middle of the board. Um, but to make a space for that cutout, we had to shrink the micro SD card. So it used to be a push push type and now it's a push pull type. So basically to remove the SD card, you just yank it out. You don't push it back in and have it pop out. Um, other than that, it's just the breakout board is the same size, pinout, mounting holes, everything. Uh, just new silk screen and slightly updated component layout. Okay, a bunch of unexpected maker stuff came in. Yes, unexpected maker made UFL versions of all their boards and we love all their boards. So we're stocking them. It's the S3, uh, teeny S3 with uh, UFL, the Pro S3 with UFL. Yeah. I guess the MQT, we got all photos. Uh, we've got the Feather S3. And then this is the, one's on the back. Sorry, the Pro S3 and the other one was, oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Feather S3 and then that was the teeny S3. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Then, oh, right. There's one more. Yeah, there's one more. And this is like Pico. the teeny Pico, I think. Yeah. Yes, teeny Pico. This, UFL. So all these now have UFL. Um, nice. So they do not come with an antenna. You will have to get another antenna. We do in the store stock both UFL Wi-Fi antennas and UFL to RPSMA adapters. They're linked from each product. You will want to, if you're connecting a Wi-Fi antenna, use an RPSMA UFL adapter. You need the RPSMA type, not the plain SMA type, or uh, the antenna won't make contact because the polarity is different. Wi-Fi antennas are different than every other antenna for reasons. Um, so uh, if you want to put these in a box or you just need more antenna gain, um, you want to have it be like weatherproof. You want to have the board be far away, all sorts of reasons. Um, check out these UFL versions. They're basically the same price, but they just don't have an onboard antenna. All right. Next up, keys. Last week, I think we put in the Neo Key, which is not to be confused with delicious gnocchi. Um, breakout boards, these are ultra slim um yeah keycaps you can see how slim they are oh my goodness so slim so this week um we're putting in keycaps um the clear keycaps unfortunately were discontinued so we got the white keycaps instead they're a new product um they're kind of that pale computer white they are not translucent they're opaque however jp noticed that you can scratch them to kind of scrape away the top coating which is um opaque and you can get a shine through design so just fyi you know chalk switches don't have as many keycap options um compared to mx people really like the low profile but there's a lot of trade-offs there's not as much flexibility in uh keycap availability but these at least are white they're like a milky white color you can paint them you can scratch them you can uh, decal them very easily so uh, a good option we also have black next up next up we have a uv NeoPixel strip. So this is addressable LED. So each LED can be turned on and off, except it has UV LEDs, not RGB LEDs. And so you've got there some fluorescent um, yeah. dust. We have like this fluorescent uh, paste dust stuff. So these, uh, you can see the chips. Those are WS2811 chips, and each one is wired up to a UV LED. So the thing is, is that it's UV, but like the chip and the libraries don't know that. So you, you know, what you would do is, do is say, if you want the LED to be on, you just set R, G, and B to like 25, 20, 255, 255, 255, and that'll turn the LED on full brightness. There's three like individual UV LEDs for the R, G, and B channel. But there's people who want to do like UV LED stuff and they want to like light it up very easily and control whether it's on or off or they want to dim it. Um, this definitely is just going to make it really easy to do so because you can just use any standard NeoPixel setup for it. We also have a 32 meters, sorry, 32 LEDs per meters. This is the 60. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's got double LEDs. Okay, next up, uh, just a very simple breakout board. I needed a breakout board for this connector because I've started to use it. It's a TRRS connector, so it's tip, ring, ring, sleeve. Uh, if you go back to the headphones. Oh, this one. Um, so you can see on the headphone jack, it has four contacts. There's the tip, which is left the first ring which is right the third ring which is going to be microphone usually on headsets and the fourth ring which is uh ground that's for like headsets but you know i actually think that these audio jacks could be used for whatever you want to have low cost cabling 
um, to connect for data lines, say I squared C, or maybe your power ground, RXTX, whatever, over a headphone cable, you can use a TRS jack for that. And these photo cables are really, really cheap and they come in like every length. So, you know, could you use it for that? Maybe, I don't know. Or you could just use it for connecting to audio. Um, this breakout board has um, this connector, sorry, the jack has, in addition to the sleeve, right and left has two switches. The R switch and the left switch. The R switch is when the jack is not inserted, goes to the right. And the left switch is connected to the left. When you insert the jack, the R switch and left switch pins float. And this is basically, you know, on old stereo systems where you plugged in the headphone jack and automatically turn off the speaker. That's because the audio would no longer be routed through the switches. You could also use it to detect when a jack is plugged in by having a very light pull up. And you can detect whether it's like grounded or not. There's tutorials that we've linked to, or you can just Google for jack detection um, to determine how to do that. But basically it came free with the connector. So sure, we added onto the breakout. Okay, the story of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, our community is... This little gamepad QT, otherwise known as the QT gamepad code. Mm -hmm. This is uh, something I just really wanted because we were always making little projects or robots where I was like, oh man, I just need like kind of gamepad controller and I don't want to wire up all the pins. I just want to be plug and play and ready to go. So this is a STEMI QT board that has a two axis joystick. Uh, thumbstick and it's kind of reminiscent of the Vita if you've ever used the PS Vita a, a portable game system it's got two little middle buttons and it's got four larger buttons and uh, on there is a little AT tiny chip that converts the buttons and the two analog inputs into I squared C data so you can read it over I squared C which means you can use it with chips that don't have analog digital converters or you don't want to wire up you know the 20 pins necessary the 10 pins necessary to get all these IOs um, it's designed to be used with a STEMI QT cable, so I can show that overhead, which I think turned off. Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah. Uh oh Oh, wait, there you go. Um, while it's booting. Let's see what happens while it's booting. Let's see if we... No signal. No signal. Well, it'll come... it's not working, huh? That's cool. Okay, now, now it's sparkling. sparkling. It's sparkling. Okay. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Anyways, um, you've got code in Arduino and. Okay, now it's working. Kind of. Maybe. No, it's working. We're back. Yay, we're back. Okay. Um, so it's got a STEMI QT port, so you can plug it into, we have boards that have, you know, STEMI QT on them, um, but also you'll have boards that go from this connector to uh, jumper headers. Um, it's tiny, it's small, it's like, you know, one inch by two inches or so, um, but, and it comes with the joystick solder on, so we do the soldering for you, so you've got this, like, analog thumbstick, two select start buttons, and then X, Y, A, B, so, you know, it's kind of in the standard gamepad um, setup. Uh, there's a power LED and an IRQ pin and LED. You can set it up to have the IRQ pin pulse whenever you um, get button presses if you don't want to spam the I squared C port. And there's two address selects. So if you want to connect up to four of these on one I squared C port, uh, you're good to go. Only thing I didn't do on this is because we didn't have space. There's only one STEM IQT connection. So if you want to chain it, we have little I squared C hubs that you can use to... Um, to connect multiple one of these cables to one I squared C port. And uh, as I mentioned, we've got Arduino code and CircuitPython code. So easy to use with uh, any Blinka microcontroller or computer. Okay. And that is our new products of the week this week, Lady Ada. Okay, we're gonna roll right into top secret, and we just have one quick thing we're gonna show. This board. Yeah. And then uh, while we're doing that, go ahead and post up your questions in Discord. I have a couple stored up, but here we go, Lady Ada. What is this? This is um, a new. Well, it's not new. This chip's quite old. It's a time of flight sensor. I forgot to get around to making a breakout for this. We've got all the other like VL fifty three LX blah 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 series chips. This one's like an eight by eight grid. It's like four meters distance, so. I think it'd be cool. So I sent out the prototype PCBs. Okay. 
I don't have a, this isn't really a top secret, but we're taking photos. So here's one thing since with the overhead it's working again. Yeah. I'll show this. Um, I'm collecting um, non baseball baseball cards. So this is a, uh, a person who makes these. This is a hacker's card. And so you can, uh, this is zero cool. Yeah. And yeah, it has, uh, you know, it's from the hackers. It's number 33 to 99 print run. Ooh. Print in the USA. So um, I'll have the photo set up soon. Um, we have some, uh, Steve Jobs. Did Steve you Boston. know he was married to Angelina Jolie? That's interesting. Like for like six months. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's they married. They met on the set of Hackers, and they they got married. Oh wow. But then, obviously, divorced. I guess when you work on a movie and you're a love interest in a movie, maybe that stuff like you're acting like that. Maybe it's like you know. So it's probably, good. Me probably messes you up a little. To, bit. You know, maybe if you, if you uh, want to be happy, you just act happy. Yeah. Maybe that's how it works sometimes. Um, okay. Well, that's uh, that's our top secret. <laughs>